0: Effective Living with Rev. Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. The Lord has been good to us all through the year 2022. Every day of the year, God has been good to us. He preserved our lives, protected us provided our needs. This year has been a very difficult year, but God has sustained us. Maybe you might not have achieved all you wanted to achieve, you might not have seen all your goals met, but hey, you are alive, and you are healthy, and you are strong. You are not on a sick bed. There are people who can't get up this morning, you know, even though they want to get up. But you are alive, you are healthy, and you need to be grateful to God for His goodness unto you, for His mercy and His kindness. Can you lift up your voice and put your hands together and say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to welcome everyone to our Christmas and Thanksgiving service. Today is Christmas Day, and I want to wish everyone a very, very Merry Christmas. I want everyone to know that this is not the last Christmas in your life, and uh, better days are ahead of you. So if you couldn't get enough chicken today, uh, there are more Christmas after today, and it's going to get better for you, in the name of Jesus. I want to encourage everyone to celebrate it the best way you can, and leave the rest to God in the days to come. I assure you, as long as you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to get better for you. I said it's going to get better for you. We, We thank God for how far he has brought us. We haven't reached where we want to be by now, but God is still a good God. And I believe that As we keep trusting Him, He will take us all the way. And um, it's going to get bigger and better and greater in this church. Amen? And God is going to take us forward. I believe that next year is going to be better. I believe that greater things are ahead of us. And so don't give up. Continue to trust the Lord and continue to wait upon God. And God will see you through. Amen? All right. I want to conclude my teaching that I started last Sunday on celebrating the Savior at Christmas, celebrating the Savior at Christmas. Um, those of you who had the privilege of listening to Dr. Otabel last Sunday, I was very amazed. I have the habit of listening to Dr. Otabel every week after church in the evenings. I listened, and I was shocked about what he preached. Um, if I had preached last Sunday a week after the message, somebody would have said, I copied what he preached, and I came to preach. If you listen to what Dr. Waterproof preached last Sunday, he preached exactly about the fact that Jesus is God. So Christmas is not just about having fun and celebrating and eating chicken and jollof and wearing new dresses. There's nothing wrong with wearing new dresses at Christmas. Please, if you have a new dress, wear it at Christmas and don't apologize for it. Yes, there's nothing wrong with eating chicken if you have it. But Christmas goes beyond that. Christmas is not even about celebrating a man who was born and who died to save mankind. Jesus was not just another man who came to die to save us. Christmas is about Jesus, who is God and who had to be born as a human in order to save mankind. The important truths that The devil tries to fight. The important truth that the devil tries to frustrate and to hinder is that important truth that Jesus is God. There are many Christians I have spoken to who can't even tell. I've asked people once in a while, what do you think about Jesus? Is he God? There are Christians who can't look in your face and tell you Jesus is God because they don't even have the understanding. That is why I took my time to teach all the way from last Sunday. The Bible said in the book of 1 Timothy 3.16, which is my key scripture for this teaching, it said, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. So the Bible said God was manifested in the flesh. So when we talk about Jesus, we are talking about God himself deciding to become human so he can save mankind. You know, the important thing that um, I tried to say last week, which I need to say now in order to conclude my teaching is that it was not just people saying Jesus is God. Jesus himself attested to the fact that he is God. On several occasions, the Jews criticized Jesus for many things. Sometimes they criticized him for working miracles on the Sabbath or for breaking the Sabbath. They criticized him for many things. They criticized him a lot for mingling with sinners. But on no occasion did the Jews Decide to stone Jesus except when he called himself the Son of God. In the book of John, chapter 5, verse 18, therefore the Jews sought. No, no, let's read from verse 17 to understand. John, chapter 5, from verse 17. But Jesus answered them, My Father has been working until now, and I have been working. My father has been working until now, and I also have been working. Verse 18, therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. In Jewish culture, when somebody says, God is my father, it's a very serious thing before the the Jews, because in their culture, being somebody's child is claiming equality with a person. And in the days of the Jews, nobody ever called himself a child of God. Nobody ever called himself a child of God. So when Jesus said, I am the son of God, You know, many times when we talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when we talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are thinking about the Father as a very old person, the Son as a young person, and the Holy Spirit, we can't really tell his age. But you see, God is not human. So when we talk about the Father, age doesn't feature. God is a spirit, He is not human, He is a spirit. So, while Jesus said, I'm the son of God, he was not trying to say, the father is very old, I'm very young. It means totally different in Jewish culture. It simply means, I am equal with God. And the Jews hated to hear that. Anytime Jesus called himself the son of God, they tried to kill him. Because right from that time, the devil tried to fight this truth. Because it is this truth that makes the difference. In the whole of of man's relationship with God. The truth that Jesus is not that a human being who died to save the world. Because actually, no human being can die to save the world. He called himself the son of God. And the Jews said, for saying you are the son of God, you've made yourself equal with God. In John 10.30, Jesus said, I and my father. I won. Then verse 31, the reactions started again. Then the Jews took up stone again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, say, saying, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you being a man, you make yourself God. Yeah, so that has been the real contention from the days of Jesus when he was alive up until now. But from the word of God, we understand that Jesus is God because he is the word of God that became flesh, that became human. He is the word of God that took on human form by the miracle of of conception in the life of a virgin. Now, why did Jesus, why did God have to come to the earth as human? Was it necessary? Why was it so necessary? In the book of John chapter um, 14, we, we see an interesting um, story. John chapter 14 from verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him, and you have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So Jesus was trying to make the disciples understand. Jesus was trying to make the disciples know something. Jesus was trying to tell the disciples an important thing. He said, anytime you see me, you've seen the Father. Jesus, before he left the earth, tried to convince the disciples that he is God. That there is no difference between him and the Father. That they are one. He said, When you see me, you have seen my Father. And when you see my Father, you have seen me. Verse 10, he said, Do you not believe that I am in the Father? And the Father in me, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Jesus said, You cannot separate me from God. We are one and we are together. I in the Father, the Father is in me. Where I am, the Father is there. Where the Father is, I am there. Now, why did Jesus have to come? Why did God have to come in human form to save the world? The answer is in Romans 5, from verse 17. Romans 5, verse 17. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the, the one, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness Who reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So the Bible said, by one man's offense, death reigned through all mankind. That one man we are talking about is Adam. Sin came into the world through one person. And because sin came through the world through one person, God decided that there must come one person who can deal with that sin and take it out from humanity. Verse 18 says, verse 18, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. Through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, including you and I. Through one man's offense, resulting in condemnation, even through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Verse 19, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. And so God decided that one person, just as Adam was one person who sinned, and then through him sin spread into humanity. So one person must Pay the price for sin. And that one person must have the ability to have complete innocence. That means the person must be sinless. And through his death and shed blood, salvation will come to mankind. And you know what? No human being on earth could do that because every human being is a sinner. God looked to the whole earth. Nobody could do that. So he decided to come himself. God came on earth to save mankind because no human being can save humanity. God looked for anybody he could use to save us, and he couldn't find any. That is why he had to come and die. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, from verse 21, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now listen, God wanted badly to save mankind. God wanted badly to save mankind. But you know, couldn't save us by remaining as God. For God to save human beings, he has to become a human, enter our world, be like us in order to save us. Very important principle. God couldn't save mankind by being like God because he's a spirit. And no spirit is permitted by God's own laws on the earth No spirit is permitted to operate on earth without a human vessel. I want to say that again. No spirit has the legal permission to do any work on earth without using a human being. That's why even demons, for the devil to do anything in this church, he must enter somebody. For the devil to do anything in this community, he has to possess somebody. The devil is a spirit being. He cannot do anything anywhere without human vessels. That is why even demons love to possess people, because that is the only legal means by which they could work. Even God himself cannot do anything on earth without using people. But when it came to salvation, there is no human being qualified for God to use to save us, because God is a spirit. So God had to come in the form of a human being to be at our level so that he can qualify to stand in our place. You know you cannot replace somebody unless you are at the person's level. Let me say that again. You cannot replace anybody in anything unless you are at the person's level. For instance, if your child is in uh, class 6 and he's, he fell sick on the day he, they were going to write an exams, Can you go and say, I want to take his place and write? Why? Because you and your child, you are not at the same level. Even if they will permit somebody to write their exams, it shouldn't be you. It should be somebody at his class, at his level. Do you agree with me? For God to take our place and die on the cross, he had to reduce himself to our level as humans. In the book of Philippians chapter 2 from verse 9, Philippians 2 from verse 9, we'll read from verse 6. He said, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a born servant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So verse 6 says that Jesus, I want us to read the verse 6 in amplified version. He said, who although existed in the form and unchanging essence of God as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it. Sometimes when you read the scripture in the original language, Is more loaded than the translation in English because if they have to put in everything original language, the Bible will be much bigger than what we have. So most Bible translations try to simplify the scripture in original language so it can be readable and, uh, and understandable. This is what the Bible said, that Jesus, even though he is God and he had all the full attributes of God, He possessed all the divine abilities as God. He did not allow that to hinder him from fulfilling his purpose of bringing salvation to mankind. Verse 7 says that he emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and rightful dignity by assuming the form of a born servant. Being made in the likeness of man, he became completely human but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. He humbled himself and became a human being. And yet, at that time, he became human. He did not renounce his deity, he was fully God and fully human because the Bible said that Jesus was the full expression, the physical expression. Of God himself. So it was an opportunity for mankind to see in physical appearance and expression how God really is and how he works. He took upon himself human nature so that he can die in our place in a justifiable way. All the time Jesus lived on earth for 33 years, he was fully human and fully God. The Bible said he took upon himself and humbled himself unto death. Verse 8. And after he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man, as a human being, for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the Father, to the point of death, even death on the cross. So when Jesus hung on the cross... Carrying all the sin of mankind upon himself, at that material moment, he became the sinner. He became the sinner. And what does that mean? At that material moment, he was taking your place and my place and giving his place to you. The Bible said Jesus hung on the cross at that that moment and said, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Now, that is the only place in the Bible you hear Jesus referring to the Father as my God, because at that material moment, Jesus became a sinner. You will never hear Jesus mentioning the Father as God anywhere else, because at that material moment, sin stood between him and God, and he felt the presence of the Father left him. So when Jesus um, came into the world, he made the most Powerful statement in the whole of the Bible. The most outstanding statement in Scripture is this. John chapter 3 verse 16. Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said this himself to a man who came to see him in the night. And Jesus said, My presence on earth, my decision to be born, to die, to save the world, it is because of God's love. The important thing that Christmas tells us is the love of God in action. The love of God. And this morning, I came to tell you that if God can reduce himself to your level and take your place to die a horrible death for you, It is because he loves you. One of the most powerful truths in Scripture that the devil hates for Christians to know is one simple truth, that God loves you. Because it makes a world of a difference in the life of anyone who has a relationship with God. Until you come to that place of conviction and understanding that God loves you, your faith in God will always be problematic. I came to tell somebody that God decided to be born in human form so he can come and die in your place because he loves you. And why is this very important? Because in this world, we're all going around looking for love. We want people who appreciate us. We're looking for people who care about us. We're looking for people who value us. We're looking for people who show us true, genuine love, not love that is conditional and dependent on many things, but you're looking for people who truly love you for who you are. And I can tell you, sometimes you get to find out you can never find true love anywhere on earth except in Jesus. There is no true love anywhere. Some of the people love you most. Sometimes you can still tell that love has some conditions. It has conditions. Every love is subject to conditions. Somebody can challenge me until the reality dawns. I was talking with a a lady one day. I said, you and your husband have come a long way. 26 years of marriage. You love each other very well. Why don't you just forgive your husband? She said, I cannot forgive him for cheating on me. I'm so hurt. I cannot. Then I realized that even husband and wife, they love Between them, is still conditional. And there are many of you, the day you catch your spouse. You know, I mean, let's be faced. I don't know how I can handle it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm human. I'm being frank to you. My wife will never cheat on me. I know. I'm just using an example. I don't know how I can handle it. And everybody start thinking of that. What, What will you do? What will you do? There is no true love that anyone can find. You know, the Greek word for love. Last Sunday, I said that English is very simple. Somebody can tell his friend, I love you, and tell his wife, I love you, and tell his children, I love you, and tell church members, I love you. Love is love. When you go to the Greek language, it's not like that. The Greek language, the word for love among friends is different from the one among family members. If you tell a family member, I love you, it's a different word, Greek word. And there is only, there is one Greek word That speaks about true unconditional love. That word is agape. And all through the Bible. All through the Bible. It is God that was the first to ascribe that word to himself. Only God can love you truly without conditions. The Bible said God so loved the world. Jesus said so loved. That statement so is He's trying to say, the love is beyond measure. Wow. I came to tell somebody, the love of God, you can't measure it. Yes. I heard one songwriter said, it's so high, you cannot jump over it. It's so low, you cannot get under it. It's so wide, you cannot go around it. God's love for you, I'm talking about his love for you, is so much. Nothing can measure it. There is no figure on the planet that can measure and quantify God's love for you. He loves you so much that he decided to come himself to become a human, to go through humiliation. Do you know what Jesus went through? Do you know what God went through in the hands of wicked human beings? They spit on his face. They mocked him. They slapped him. They put a crown of tongues on his head. They whipped his back until his whole back was plowed, oozing with blood. They nailed his hands, nailed his feet, his hands were bleeding, his feet was bleeding, his back was bleeding, his head was bleeding, his face was bleeding. The whole body, Bible said, was disfigured. God did that for you just to show you he loves you. Many times I've heard people thinking, oh God, if you don't give me a husband, you don't love me. If you don't give me a wife, you don't, God, if you don't give me a car this year, then you don't love me. If you are waiting to have money before you know God loves you, you are completely mistaken. In fact, you don't understand the gospel. Romans 5.8 said that when you were an unbeliever, living an godly life, doing all wickedness and sinning and Doing all the evil things. Some of you, I can't talk about the things you did. Too much. Let's not go there. I've come to realize when self-righteous people become born again, they are proud. Because they don't really understand the love of God and the grace of God. But when you have been in the world like I did, and Jesus saves you, you understand. God demonstrates his own love towards the end while we were still sinners. See, God didn't start loving you. The day you gave your life to Jesus. (laughs) He loved you all the way when you were even a sinner. Getting yourself into idol, worship, everything you did. He still loved you. He loves you. Because, do you know why? Because his love for you is not conditional. He's not conditional. His love for you is sacrificial. It's sacrificial. And he did that to show you that... He loves you. You know, if there's one desire God has from all believers today, it's for every one of them to wake up every day knowing God loves me. Can you put your right hand on your chest and say it loudly? Let the devil hear it and be mad. Say, God loves me. God loves me. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter my situation. He still loves me. It doesn't matter what I do wrong. He still loves me. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I don't know how you think about me, but God loves me dearly. He loves you. I said, He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. you. So when we talk about Christmas, we are trying to remember God out of love for mankind. Deciding I will not remain in heaven anymore. I must come down, I must save humanity. He came down and was born as human, went through all the ordeal of human beings. That is inconveniencing, isn't it? Isn't it? If I you should be asked to go back to primary school class one, it will be inconveniencing for you, isn't it? Sit down among primary one students. How many of you can do that? Where primary school? Some of you, when you dream wearing primary school uniform, you are crying thunder and fire. Listen, for God to live as a human, it was very much an inconveniencing ordeal. You need to understand that. That it was not a pleasant experience for God. He did that to express love. And today, I don't want to celebrate Christmas without thinking. Don't let the devil make you feel you don't have money, so he doesn't love you. No, he loves you. I said he loves you. And if you understand that he loves you, you can believe God for every financial limitation in your life to become a temporary experience. That's what the Bible says, faith works by love. You can never exercise your faith until you first believe that God loves you. If you believe that he loves you, you can go to him anytime by yourself without an intermediary. You don't need a prophet to come and tell you God is going to bless you. Once you are convinced, he loves you. If God loves you, he will not leave you the way you are. Oh, I, thought, I, thought, I thought somebody would have heard him. If God loves you, if God loves you, how many of you love people and you don't care about them? How many of you, you love your spouse and yet you don't care about the person? It is not consistent. If you love somebody, you care about a person. If you love somebody, you think about a person. If you love somebody, you want to be with the person. If you love somebody, you wish the person well. If you love somebody, you want the best for the person. And if God loves me, then he's always thinking about me. And He's always want to be with me. And he always want the best for me. And if God loves me, I don't care who doesn't love me. If God loves me, the ruler of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, the almighty God, he loves me. That is enough. I said, that is enough. I came to announce to somebody, God loves you and that is enough. Stop running after people, trying to please them so that they can love you. You don't need all that. You don't need all that. I said, you don't need all that. You have Jesus in your life. God loves you, and that is all that matters. And if he loves you, he's thinking about you. He cares about you. He wishes you well. He wants the best for you. I see God about to bless somebody here. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I prophesy over your life. That in the next one year, God is about to show you his kindness, his goodness, his blessing, his mercy, his grace in every area of your life. Oh, I came to announce to somebody, he loves you. Somebody shout and say he loves me. I don't, it doesn't matter where I am, he loves me. Somebody asked me, so why does God heal people? Because he loves you. Why does God prosper people? Because he loves you. Why does God protect you? Do you know how many things God delivered you from this year? Hello? Somebody came to me recently. He's telling me some terrible dream. I said, once in a while, we all need to have some terrible dreams. Do you know why you have terrible dreams? God wants to just show you the thing that should have happened to you by now, if not for him, with you. Saving you and delivering you. It is only when you can't see that you think God doesn't care about you. If you know how many things he took you out for. And he didn't do it because he just loves to do it. He did it because of his love for you. For Jesus. Close with John chapter 14. John 14 verse 23. Very, very powerful statement. And Jesus answered and said, listen to what Jesus said. He said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Do you know that the day Jesus comes into your life, it is God Himself that has come to live in you? That is why the Bible says, Greater is He that is in you. When the Bible says greater is he, he's talking about God Himself. The reason why the devil can't stop you, He can't stand you, He can't fight you. You know why? Because there's someone in his, in you. His name is God. That is why you cannot fail unless you allow it. That is why you can never be defeated unless you allow it. Can I say something? Nobody can destroy you if you have Jesus in your life. Nobody can destroy, if you have Jesus in your life, nobody can destroy you except yourself. Except yourself. The greatest problem of your life is not witches, wizards, it's not the devil, it's you. Somebody put on your service, it's me. And the way the devil likes to do it is to make sure you don't understand the truth. So it can be easy for him to manipulate because when Jesus comes into your life, something awesome and outstanding takes place. Your life ceases to be ordinary. You become a child of God. And God himself, Bible said, he will make your home in you. This morning, I want to announce to somebody one powerful truth the devil hates for you to hear. That God loves you. And he is in you. I said, God loves you. And he is in you. God loves you. And he is in you. God loves you. And he lives in you. He is alive in you. He is alive in you. Somebody shout and say, God loves me. And he is in me. And he is with me. The angel said to Mary, you will call his name Emmanuel. You understand the, the meaning of the word Emmanuel? It means God is with us. The day Jesus landed on earth, it is an announcement God has come to dwell among human beings. You know, sometimes people ask me, they say, Pastor, if God is in my life, why am I going through all this? Can I give you an answer? It is so that God will manifest his power in your life and make your life a testimony. Listen, people don't only need to read in the Bible that God is a healer. People need to see that you are sick, but God healed you. People don't only need to hear that Sarah was barren and became pregnant. They need to see you married, no child, 10 years. So pastor, how can I wait for 10 years? Because God wants to make your life a testimony. Show me a Christian who never went through any problem. He doesn't have any testimony. Show me a Christian who never went through storms. They don't have any testimony. Everything you are going through is not an indication that God has left you. Every challenge you are in now is allowed by God to manifest his power in your life so that your life will become a testimony. Today, there are many people, even in this church, that can tell you, when God gives children to the barren, it is not only in Hannah and uh, Sarah. It happens now. Why does God, why does God allow us to go through what we went through so that, are, are you still listening to me? So that he will prove that his word is true. Hallelujah. Because if not for the testimonies of men and women, How can we tell that this Bible is God's word? Unless it is working in people's life. Do you know you cannot bypass me and say the Bible is not true? Oh yeah, I can tell you. By the time I narrate my life to you and I show you pictures, let's forget about the Bible. I can prove to you by my life that the Bible is true and alive. I can prove to you by my life that God can give children. I can prove to you by my life, that God can take the poor, the poorest of the poor and make them rich. This morning I came to tell somebody if you are poor, you are not the first to be poor. Poverty doesn't kill, I would have died a long time. The fact that I'm here, should I encourage you that God is taking you out of that poverty. You are coming out of that situation. You are coming out of that bondage. In the name of Jesus, you are coming out. God will take you out. Because I know what it means to be poor. I know what it means to have nothing. I know what it means to live for weeks without food. I know what it means to borrow food before you eat. I need to sell, send Pastor Bernard to a lady to go and borrow food. I'm telling you the truth. You can choose not to believe me. Borrow food. Be- because by the time we are borrowing that food, we live for a week without food. God was still with me. I said, I knew God was still with me because even at that time, He was showing me everything that is happening in my life now and more that is yet to happen. What God didn't do for me, He cannot do it through me. If He didn't take me out of poverty, I can't pray for you now for Him to take you out of poverty. That's why I like the drama. I like the drama. Did you remember the drama? Uh-huh. Some of you, if you knew the testimony of your life that is in progress, about to manifest, you will wake up every day. That is what my Bible said, in everything. I'm closing with us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. In everything. I said, in everything. In everything. He said, the whole of this year, nothing good has happened in my life. I came to tell you, in everything. He didn't say only in good times. He didn't say only in good times. He didn't say only in bad times. He said, Pastor, I was sacked from job. You are not the first to be sacked. We've all been sacked. If you are sacked, it doesn't mean you are useless. Oh, can I preach to somebody? If you are sacked, it doesn't mean you are useless. Sometimes it means where you are, you are too big for that place. Walk out of that place, chest out. Tell your family, I've been sacked. But because of Jesus, there is hope for me. Because I promise you, next year by this time, what you are complaining about now. I know that I know that I know that because of Jesus, you will not be complaining about that anymore. In the name of Jesus in everything. This morning, we want to thank God for 2022. We're going to thank him in everything because we know he's working together for my good. Yeah. In everything. You lost your job. Stand up today and thank him. Somebody betrayed you and dumped you. Thank the Lord for all you know. He's not the right person for you. Today, I want somebody here if you are, you are sad because somebody left you. This is Christmas. Be happy. Because I see somebody better coming your way. Yeah. Stop crying about people who don't even deserve you. People don't deserve you. People too small for you. Listen, it's not the devil drive people away from us. Sometimes God drives people away from us. Because you are so blind. You are so blind. You can't see your future. We've all been there before. I used to visit a man of God in MFS State. 2006 when I came to Accra. I used to visit a man of God in State. He named me Prophet Diallo. If any prophet had told me in 2006 that today I'll be living in State, I would have vowed it's a lie. Do you know why? Because it was so bad. And any time I stood there, i say, wow, this place is nice. Some of you, there are things God won't even tell me to tell you, but you will never believe it. But even though you don't believe it, God is going to make it happen in your life. Oh, yeah. God is going to make it happen in your life. There are things God will never tell you. He will never even show you. Because the situation now is so bad that you all you want is survivor. And because of survivor, you run after some people. And then they're looking down on you and treating you like you are trash. And then you are still crying when they are leaving you. This is Christmas. I'm preaching to somebody. Yes. Listen. Listen. People leave good people too. Can I say that again? Yes. People leave good people. If somebody left, it's not because you are bad. Even the babies say amen. If your marriage failed, I have news for you. That's not the end of the road. That failed marriage is not the end of the road. In everything, thank the Lord, because you will marry again to a better person. The devil is a liar. Sometimes bad people leave us so that good people will come. Bad people leave godly people. So that good people will come. Whatever the enemy do, God is about to restore. Amen. In everything. I don't know what situation you are in. Maybe after service today you don't have what to eat. I've been there before. I've been there after Christmas. I preach powerful. No money, no food. I preach powerful. But today, by the grace of God, food is not a prayer topic for me. God will change your story. Amen. God will change your situation. Because he loves you, he cares about you, he's thinking about you, and he wants the best for you. Put your hand together and rise up to your feet. Today is an opportunity for us to thank God for 2022. Gratitude is the seed you sow to get more. If you can't thank God for 2022, I can assure you that your 2023 is not guaranteed. Ingratitude is... Closest doors for more to happen. Ten people were healed by Jesus. Only one came to thank him. Jesus said, Where are the nine? Where are the nine? Today I'm so glad that the people who didn't come to church today are few. I'm glad for that. Amen? Because I want to pastor a church that is grateful to God. And thanksgiving is not complete without a thanksgiving offering. <laughs> Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030 340 7970 or 024 33 11201. Remain blessed.